0: The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. I, you ever think about how life used to be? Or, no, how life must have been, Right? Could you imagine life without a cell phone? Man, so long ago like that, right? I remember, I remember the day my kids found out that I was born before the internet, and they were just like, no, you're kidding. That's not even True. But no, I'm talking like 2,000 years ago, a long time ago, right? The world that Jesus lived in was a lot different than the world that we live in today. I'm grateful for a lot of the modern technologies and stuff, but I mean, think about it. Not only no phones, there's no screens at all. Transportation. Yeah, it's what they called walking. What? What? We walk for exercise because I haven't walked anywhere ever because I needed to, right? Walking is what I do between the couch and the fridge when I don't have a kid that's already going there, right? Like that's... (laughs) You know, or like I need to message somebody. Means I got up and I walked to where they were. Or used really high-tech technology And I'd write it down and give it to a messenger, and they'd go deliver a message for me, right? Life was slower then, wasn't it? And um, just fewer interruptions, less distractions. There's a part of me that, that goes like, it must have been so much easier. And... And the idea of of living that slow probably would just, like, freak some of us out (laughs) because that was the normal human existence. In fact, to think about this fact, the pace at which we live our life and the, the rate of communication which comes and goes, the rate of transportation today that we would just call normal if you take the scope of human existence, the life we live is anything but normal. Right? I mean, people have been living for you know a while now, OK? And 2,000 years ago, that snapshot of life is a lot more normal in the given human experience than what we know today, right? I think sometimes it's good for us just to remember that. You know, but but I would think about, like, that's how Jesus lived. And I'm like, man, it would have been easy to be Jesus with all those distractions. It was a piece of cake for him, I'm sure, right? The slow pace and no wonder. I mean, he, he had, you know, all kinds of time on his hands and time with the Lord. But you know what's super interesting to me? Is when I read through the scripture and I read through the word, and again, we're, we're talking about these ancient paths that we read in, in Jeremiah 6. And we're going to get there again in a little bit. But... I look at the life of Jesus and be like, oh yeah, he had like so much slower pace. And yet, what I read throughout Scripture, when I read that the way that he lived his life, he still constantly escaped from the busyness of life. And I use air quotes because we like roll our eyes at that. But we underestimate how busy the human heart can get when nothing is going on. Right? Some of you know that very well. Maybe your schedule is not what it once was, and yet your mind and your heart doesn't stop racing and you still feel some of the same anxiety that you did when life was 1,000 miles an hour. Because here's this thing. Regardless of what's happening around us, our minds love to stay overactive, don't they? Our hearts tend to go and go and go. Our emotions run nonstop. And it can be draining, whether we are literally going or we're literally still at home. And yet here's what's so cool is that Jesus not only taught and philosophically just was in this oneness with God thing, he understood if he wanted to experience oneness with the Father, which is crazy to me because he himself was deity. I don't have all that figured out yet. Maybe someday when I see him face to face, I'll ask him, how did that work? God and man thing. I don't know if I'll ever figure it out, but he's fully man, fully God, and yet he absolutely depended on on like on regular times of escaping the fullness and the busyness and the complexity and the noise of life in order to hear his father. And I just think like if him being the son of God in a slower culture depended on time away to be able to hear God's voice. How much more do I need that today? A couple weeks ago, Beth talked about some of these retreat disciplines. And here's the deal. This series, I'm just telling you, I am loving preaching this series. I'm loving trying to implement this series in my life in so many different ways. I am, I, I'm, I'm growing in it, like I'm discovering new things. I love the study of these spiritual disciplines. Um, but this is the first run. I'm gonna preach this, I guarantee you, multiple times in my life, and, and this is the first draft. I'll, I'm gonna change the second draft. You know what I'll change? Is that we called it the retreat disciplines earlier with the, the rest and, and Sabbath and celebrate. I, I would call it the, the rest disciplines because what we're talking about today is really the retreat disciplines—the getting away, the stepping back. It's a discipline or disciplines that pair together well. Um, I, we've got it on the list there of the quiet disciplines, but but it's simply silence and solitude. And here's what's super interesting: even in our culture today, this these disciplines or this discipline, however you want to look at that. Uh, again, they do pair well together. Uh, is something that I'm hearing about, talked about in church circles, in Christian circles, more and more today than I ever have in my life. And I think it's because our society and our pace is finally getting to a point where it's like we do this or we die. In fact, the lack of this is the reason why Pastor Grady and Sandy have a ministry. (laughs) They serve ministry leaders around the world who don't stop long enough to be refreshed and find rest from their father. From the very outset of the series, we said we're not just looking at Jesus in the highlights, which is typically where all the Bible stories come from. We're looking at Jesus in the in-between. I don't want to see what he accomplished necessarily, though that's great. I want to see the lifestyle that he lived between highlight moments. So can I read for you today a, a, a number of places in Scripture. If you're keeping notes, get that pen ready, get it ready, and you're, probably, you're not going to be able to write them all down, but you can get the references and look them up later, because there's a bunch. And it begins to paint a picture for us. I'm not even going to read them all. Uh, first one I'm going to look at is in Mark chapter 1, verse 12. I think this is significant. It says that once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. This is interesting. Jesus lives 30 years. as just like a carpenter, a guy that's studying and doing all those types of things. He gets baptized by John. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. The voice of God, the Father says, this is my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. Like epic moment. Like he is commissioned for ministry. It's like time to go. He's like first I'm going to go in the desert and hang out by myself for six weeks. Like, doesn't that seem like a weird way to start in complete obscurity? I've heard it taught. I think I've even taught this as well, that the devil is no dummy, right? He waited until Jesus was fasting for almost the end of it, like for 40 days before he comes and tempts Jesus. He waits till Jesus is at a physical weak spot before he comes with the temptation to try to get Jesus. Like he knows what he's doing. Like, but I never really thought about it until recently. That do you think Jesus also knew what he's doing? We look at it like not eating for forty days. Oh my goodness, he must have been weak and like very vulnerable. Do you not think that Jesus knew that the devil was going to come before his ministry even start to tempt him in the greatest ways? So Jesus is like, I better go fast in the desert for forty days so I can be at my peak performance when the devil comes to try to tempt me. See, but we think so material, materialistically, we think so physically, so naturally, that like, oh, he didn't eat, he must have been at his weakest. Maybe that six weeks straight of nothing but time with his father, and there was no point in his ministry, that he, in his life, that he'd ever been stronger. Could that have been the case? Jesus starts his entire ministry in silence and solitude for 40 days. Then there's this other verses, Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, also the same thing can be found in Mark 1, 45. The news about him spread all the more, so now Jesus' ministry is becoming more uh, public, and so, so the crowds of people came to hear him to be, and to be healed of their sickness, What is this? this, but Jesus often, somebody say often, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, as his ministry grew, as his, his, uh, the demands on his schedule increased, it said Jesus often left everybody. That's not being responsible for the need that's in front of you, is it? But you know, the only possible way that he could do the mission that God has called him to is if he regularly withdrew and found times alone with his father. It says often, so I'm going to read you some of the oftens. Mark 1, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, early, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 3, 7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and inevitably a large crowd gathered and followed them. So sometimes he tried and it failed, but sometimes he'd go by himself, all alone, find that place of quiet and solitude. Sometimes he'd bring a few guys with him. Mark two thirteen. once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. Uh, Luke 6: 12 through13, also Mark 3:13. Jesus went out to a mountain, uh, a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. This time, rather than getting up in the morning, all night long, went away in a place of silence and solitude. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been be- beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Man, when he went through some hard times, John was his cousin, like he hears the, of that, he's out of there. He needed to have some alone time with his Father. Mark 7:24. Jesus entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, like he's escaping from the crowds. Again, that one was not successful. Everybody found him. Uh, Luke 9:18. Mark 8:27. Once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him. Again, that the small group uh, getaway, uh, and he asked him some questions. In and, and, uh, John 7:10, this one's kind of interesting. After his brothers had gone to the to the feast, right? He was in his hometown. Uh, his his brothers had gone off. They walked to the big festival in Jerusalem. It says, then Jesus also went up, not publicly, but in private. Interesting. Um, That doesn't seem like much, right? But it's about a 90-mile walk. Would have been roughly about uh, a five-day journey. He could have gone with his family, but instead he knew that he had things, that God had things in store for him. He he was going to he was going to make some waves when he showed up, and he, he knew that he had some ministry to do when he showed up, and his brothers were kind of ribbing him anyway, so maybe he just wanted to get away from them, but his brothers went. He went right behind him, but because he wanted a time of quiet, five days of walking by yourself. Some of you are like, that is, sounds miserable. There's Some of you are like, that sounds like vacation, right? Depends on how you're wired. Here's another one I want to I want to look at, and this is one we're going to linger on today. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Mark chapter six. This is where we're going to just hang out for a bit. I'm going to read for you verse 31 and 32. Um, normally, I pick a translation. I'm going to be honest. There's some words in this in the Greek that have a couple different ways that they could be uh, read or interpreted. That give, and so I'm going to kind of do a, a, a translation mashup a little bit. I'm going to look at NIV and a little bit of throw a little bit of ESV in there as well, but. Because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet, desolate place and rest a while. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a, and there's four different translations that I use for like reference most often. All four of them had a different word. One's a desolate place, solitary place, quiet place, secluded place. But I think you get the idea. You know, the theme verse of this series that we're in, talking about these spiritual pathways, talking about these spiritual disciplines is Jeremiah 6.16. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Here's the deal. Life feels like it just moves fast sometimes. But I love what it says here. When you come to a crossroads, stand. Stand implies movement or no movement. Right. In order to stand, you have to stop. Come to the crossroads and stop, look and ask, look and ask, there's this aspect of like this searching, this aspect of of observing, I've got to stop moving, I need to look, I need to search, I need to observe, I need to see what's going on, and here's what's interesting, And and then walk in it. After a time of silence and solitude, after a time of getting away with Jesus, he reorients your pace of life. It's one of the reasons why this is so significant. We have this tendency to go, 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 fast, 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 fast. Because we don't know any other way. Sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. And when we have regular times of silence, regular times of solitude, regular times of time with us and our Father, when we're done, He reorients the pace of our life. There's some certain things in my own life, my own experience, God has been teaching me this, like I didn't think, like I I, I like to think I'm a, I think I am pretty laid back, go with the flow kind of guy, not too fast paced. Um, And yet there were still some fast paced things in me that I just hadn't even seen. Um, and so there's some specific things that God has shown me, I believe, asked me to do or whatever, um, just for me that remind me to slow down sometimes. And I think that's really, really good. Here's one of the things, this seems silly, right? I'm a pretty tall guy. Uh, this stage is not that tall, but it's clearly more than a single step, right? Would you agree? Clearly more than a single step, but I'm a tall guy, so it can be a big step. I found myself constantly running in and out, like jogging for no reason. Anybody, for no reason. I like running. I like jogging. It's my hop, But I'd like, I need something in the other room. So I'd hop down off the stage and jog out there. And I'd be like, am I in a hurry? Why am I running? I'm not running for any reason, but I'm just running. Slow down. And I, so this was a commitment. Maybe it was God. Maybe it was just an idea. I found myself, I'll do it every once in a while, but... From now on, like I, this is seven months back, I just the guys say, use the stairs. It saves me six seconds to jump off the stage and go to the aisle. Six seconds. And it's just a reminder, you know I need to slow down. Here's another one. A new commitment I've made about a year ago when I started realizing I move too fast sometimes is I never park in the closest parking spot. Some of you are like, wait, that's, that's, that's stepping on some toes here. I can't. Some of you pray for that spot. You know, you know, if you need it, you do it. But here's my thinking. Like, I run and walk for exercise. I regularly find myself running, just jogging just because I can, moving about. Why do I need to save 12 feet? There's two spots next to each other. Take the second one. Somebody needs it more than I do. There's a family Now, when I have a van full of kids and some of them are small, I might take the first one. When I'm by myself, I'm not going to. And, it's, and more than anything else, it's a reminder to me, slow down. But here's where those types of things happen. It's in those places of silence and solitude. When we, when we discipline ourselves to stop so that we can stand and look and ask, you know what God does? He reorients, or, or, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> he reconstructs, he creates a new normal, he finds a new default on the pace of our life. This happens from time to time, every once in a while, if it's a nice day, I just get out of the office, I need, a, I need some silence and solitude, I just need to clear my head, I need to breathe with the Lord sometimes, sometimes I'll just go and I'll take a walk through, through the neighborhood. I really enjoy it, um, and, and uh, this happens so often. I do walk for exercise. Sometimes I'll run. Sometimes I walk for exercise, and so I get up and then I start walking my normal like exercise walk pace. And I get out and I'm going and I'm walking, and I'm trying to like have time with the Lord. And like inevitably, my pace from the beginning to the end drops like probably like three or four minutes a mile. Just because I'm just like, wait a second. I'm getting out not to get exercise. I'm getting out because I just, I I need to slow down. I'm getting out because I need to hear God's voice. And I have found for me, and I think Jesus' lifestyle would model it as well. I don't, for whatever reason, I don't hear as well when I'm moving fast. Don't understand the connection there, but it seems to be a common thread that I don't hear well when I'm moving fast. And so I want to show you, I want to look at this text here for a little bit. Um, Mark chapter 6, because I think in here is a, is a pattern that if we can learn this pattern, we're going to find some, some freshness, some new oneness with God. Okay. Um, again, we, we, we've come to this verse a whole bunch of times. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29, Come to me all who are weary and carry burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Somebody knows it. Rest for your souls. That's interesting. Isn't that what Jeremiah said? That if we stand at the crossroads and look and we ask for the ancient paths, we ask for the good way, and then we walk in it, what does he say we're going to find? Rest for our souls. The author of Hebrews, in Hebrews 4.11, he actually tells us, let us make every effort, every effort to enter into that rest it's what jeremiah spoke of it's what what jesus spoke of and i believe it's what jesus modeled it's what jesus invited his disciples into mark chapter 6 verse 31 come away with me or come away by yourself to a quiet place and sometimes let say rest a while some say get rest i, I want to look at these four different aspects of this verse here come away One, come away. Two, by yourself. Three, to a quiet place. Four, get rest. Let's let's break this down a little bit. Jesus says, come away. Come away. This is significant. Like we already addressed, life is busy. And it's busier probably than it's ever been in the history of the world with technology and, and communication and transportation and all the things and comforts that we have. Listen, we have got to distance ourselves from the busyness and the noise if we want to learn to hear God's voice. You know, uh, something that I've heard Dick Dungan say and, and, and Pastor Grady say, I don't know who said it first. I'll say it's Grady because he's sitting here. Uh, it's good. Then, okay, it's Grady, okay. It's, it's we need to learn to hear God's voice in the quiet so that we can know how to hear his voice when it gets loud. And I've always thought, and I've loved that, and I've contextualized that, and I've I've tried to put that into practice, and I've grown from that. But I think there's a part of me that in that, again, this is not on them, this is on me, in that was that like, I guess the goal is to hear God in the noise, like to get to a place where I can just always hear him in the noise. But Jesus never got there. He always had to get away to the very end, right? Why do you think he was in the garden by himself? Was that happenstance? Was that a once in a, in, in a lifetime thing? No, that is just what he did. The disciples were not like, Jesus, why can't we come to, with you to pray? No, it's just what he did all the time. Oh, Jesus going off by himself to pray again. He always needed this. So yes, when we are in the quiet, we learn how to hear his voice when it gets loud. But listen, that doesn't mean that if we, we're going to eventually get to a point where we don't have to get away anymore. So let me, let me look at these four aspects here of these disciplines that we call silence and solitude. Come away. We've got to distance ourselves from the busyness and the noise. And, and here's what I, I, I want to drive home here you won't find rest. Because that's, that's where the end of this thing goes, right? Jesus says, come away by yourself to a quiet place and rest for a while and get rest. He wants them to find rest. But listen, they will never find rest if they don't take time to get away. This concept sounds great. Nobody's going to argue that you need to get away and break away from the busyness of life. The concept is airtight, and almost, I could almost guarantee, I bet we have a 99.9% approval rate on that statement. Yeah, we need to get away. It doesn't matter if you agree with it. It matters if do you do it. Are, are you willing, do you actually believe it to the point where you're like, no, 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 I'm not gonna find rest for my soul until I actually decide that I am going to put a stop to life, so, to, to the busyness, to the, the, the distraction, to all that, and I'm actually going to pull away. And it requires time. It sounds good in concept, but it, once we start realizing, oh, no, no, that actually has to happen in, 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 in a time and space in my actual calendar, Oh, well, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just feel all of the feels. Oh, just, just, I'm just going to, no, you have to actually go somewhere to get away. Come away. Number two, he says, come away by yourselves. Here's the deal. Next week, we're going to talk about some community disciplines. You and I are designed to live in community. That's our default design is to be in community. But it's kind of like the last couple of weeks. There was some pairs of disciplines. We had the rest disciplines, but you have the work disciplines, right? The the baseline default is work, okay, like just as far as how our activity is spent. God spent six days working and one day resting, right? But rest has to complement the work um, because if you don't rest, you're going to miss out on the blessing of rest, but you're also going to miss out on the fullness of what work is supposed to be like, right? Does that make sense? Silence and solitude, or solitude and community, works the same way. You're designed to live in community, and we're going to explore that a little bit more next week. However, it needs to take place in rhythm. If you are all community and you never get away like Jesus did, then what's going to happen is you never get the benefit of the alone. Also, your experience in the community becomes tainted in the same way work becomes tainted with no rest. Make sense? Let me me talk about what happens here and why this happens. If I never step away from the community, listen, community is amazing. Jesus's community was fantastic. His his mom and his disciples, his friends, he had great networks, he had great community, he had great relationships, and yet he needed to step away from those great relationships at times. If I never step out of community, I begin to view my own identity from community kind of groupthink. Even if I don't have the community that I want, even if my community is not there, I find myself living for the approval of community. Or I find myself shifting my identity to be who I think the community wants. And if I do have the community, I begin, to, I begin to, uh, to, to think in the same way that everybody else does or how I'm expected to think, or do I need to blend in, or am I supposed to? What is my role in the community? And my identity becomes formed by the community. And Jesus is, is, is encouraging us. He's encouraging his disciples. He's, he's, he's modeling it for us. that like You need to get away because God, your father, wants to speak to you about who you are so that our identity can be aligned in him as we jump into community. Because if we never do, we end up in an unhealthy place, living for approval, or thinking like everyone else, or finding my identity in whatever the people expect, or what I think other, that's probably worse, what I think other people expect. If we don't take those times to be by yourself, you're going to miss God's voice to you. Because I believe we need to hear God's voice together. I believe we need to join. Like what we're doing right now is fantastic. I believe God's speaking to all of us, myself included, as we gather together around his word. That's fantastic. But you need to hear God's voice for you. Number three, quiet place. It says, come away by yourself. Number three to a quiet place. This word quiet place, in, in fact, it's actually the same word that is used uh, when Jesus went off to the desert, the wilderness, the same Greek word there. And it's, it's an interesting one, and the English is translated a variety of ways from uh, quiet to, again, that's the same word in the next verse, desolate, solitary, secluded. Um, get away where nobody else is, to a quiet place, a place without interruption. In you know, Jesus' day, he just, you know, woke up, woke up, and then just walked outside of town until nobody else was around. I mean, you could do that. Um, can I challenge you though? You will never find a quiet place with your phone on. You will never find a quiet place with your phone on. I believe it ought to be a normal practice of Christ followers that our phones get turned off for a a certain set amount of time on a regular basis because I don't, I don't, even if it's not going off, it's still there. It's like being in a room of people who aren't talking. It's quiet, but I'm still in a room of people, I'm still available. Jesus left and he made himself no longer available to those who would have needed him the most. We've become so acquainted and so comfortable with and so used to this idea of constant availability that to not be available sounds like some kind of character flaw. It's a virtue. Now, let me speak to those on the other side who are amending me in their hearts and elbowing your spouse, okay? If you're married and if you have children, don't go off the grid without telling them. (laughs) But you should. Now I'm speak to the other one. But you have to be able to do it and if you don't feel like you need it as much, but your spouse feels like they do, it's not because they're weak and it's not because they don't like you and are trying to get away from you. It's because God designed you and me to be in one on one times with zero distractions at times in life. It's got to be okay with you. Just communicate well. Is that are we tracking? Don't 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 just run away and don't answer any texts and don't tell anybody where you are and then blame me, okay? That is not me. You heard it said right here. Tell the people that need you or are regularly attached to you or whether it's healthy or not, there's a normal, regular communication like that close, they need to know, okay? But you have to allow yourself to be able to do that. You're not gonna find a quiet place with your phone on. Here's the problem, quiet is intimidating. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever been Have you ever been in a waiting room without your phone? And without a magazine? And somebody else is there without their phone? I may, have just come, I may have just set up the most uncomfortable situation that any of you have ever been in in your life. What are you supposed to do? Can you look at them or just look at the floor? I don't know. Do I pretend I have a phone? I don't know what to do. <laughs> quiet is so uncomfortable. And to think that you could have just a quiet time with God without a Bible in front of you. A quiet time with God without a prayer list? Where you just sit or go for a walk and just say, God, I'm here. And allow your heart to slow down for one minute. But here's why it's intimidating is because, um, because there's nowhere to hide. We tend to hide behind our words. We have to come face to face with the inconsistencies. And we feel kind of like Adam and Eve right after that sin. They're hiding from God. God's like, hey, where are you guys at? Don't look at me, I'm naked. Quiet brings that out of us. And so most of us, we fill our quiet time with anything but quiet. And a lot of times it's good stuff. It's the prayer list and the Bible reading and the devotional reading. Those are amazing. Use those tools, absolutely. But when was the last time you were truly quiet and just sat? Went for a walk even. Nobody around, nobody talked to you. And you walked slow. You just looked at what God has made around you. You sat and you just breathed real deep for a little bit. I'm not trying to be weird and new agey. I'm just want to like take an honest look at what Jesus did. He got away by himself to a plot, a quiet place, and then it says, and get some rest. This is where rest happens. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Jesus is in the house teaching. Mary comes and sits at Jesus' feet, listening, quiet. Martha's doing all her things. And Jesus' reprimand to her wasn't like you're doing the wrong things. It was you're worrying about too many things. You're anxious about too many things. There's few that matter, really only one. And Mary has chosen what is best in other words, slow down and be quiet. She wasn't necessarily talking. Yeah, but she was anything but quiet, right? She was judging her sister who was lazy. She was busy doing all these other things. And for some of us, this is just by nature of our own wiring. Some of us we lean into this and we're like, this is like, this is the first discipline that I'm like, it's not like I'm challenged to, to, to do. I, this is like permission. I just needed this permission. And some of you are wired that way and that's great. Lean into it. We'll talk about community next week and I'll challenge you. But this week for some of you it's like, I can't, I don't even know how to be quiet. I have no idea how long I'd have to sit there until my mind got quiet. In fact, the longer I sit, I think the louder my mind would get. Yeah, then you're way overdue. Beth made a, a comment a couple weeks ago when she's talking about rest and Sabbath. She said, "Not inactivity is not necessarily restful, right? Because this is the point of the silence and solitude is that you'd find rest for our souls. That was the invitation that Jesus gave she made this question, is it restorative? A number of years ago, I, I preached a message and, and this I used an illustration and it stuck with me personally. Um, and I have brought it back to my mind a number of times, and, and it's, it's kind of like this. How what is your rest like? Is it is it there's it, it, two different types of rest, two different times, let me put this, of inactivity. Right? I can, I can get the silence. In the solitude, I can get away for a little bit, but there's a couple different ways to do it. One, it's kind of like turning off the engine. You know, like sometimes it's like, I just got to turn it off. Anybody ever feel that way? I just got to shut it down. I got to turn off the engine. And sometimes some of the rest that we do, it's just, it's just turning off the engine. But then when we're done resting, we start it back up and guess what? The tank is the same place it was when we turned it off. We got to rest and the rest was good. It was enjoyable, but I'm no more full than I was before I left. And then there's other rest that is restorative. There's rest that, it's not just turning off the engine, it's filling up the tank. So your downtime, and there's times and place for just shutting off the engine. But I would, I would imagine that the majority of us, the majority of the time we shut down, we're not filling up the tank. Netflix rarely fills up the tank. I would say never, but I'm a believer that you should never say never, except when you're saying that you should never say never. You should usually not ever say never. Um, YouTube, I'll, I'll break my own rule. YouTube never restores, fills up the tank. Oh, but it's good stuff. Yeah, so you get into that YouTube hole in like, my 12 years later, you come out of it and wonder where life went. All right. Then there's like hobbies. I got different hobbies. Hobbies are fantastic. I think everybody needs more hobbies and not everybody needs more, but most adults need hobbies. We, We say for some reason that like that's child stuff. You need a hobby. I hope you have fun doing some hobbies. But here's about my hobbies is that when I hobby, I get away by the nature of my hobby. It's fantastic. I get alone. So I got the first two checks down and I get quiet-ish because uh, whether I'm playing golf or playing disc golf or whatever usually sporting activity, it refreshes me to a degree, but can I be honest? There's a competitive side of me that that focuses on that hobby, which is great. And I I do feel restored-ish. I feel rested-ish and it's good. I, I think we should do those types of things. But if I never take time to completely detach from the activity of this world, even my hobby, which tends to feed me, and I never quiet myself, you know what I never hear? That still small voice. So I like playing golf and disc golf, that kind of thing. But I also like going for like hikes out in the woods. Those are great with my wife or by myself. I don't do it by myself as much, but I'll go for a walk by myself. And that's when I start to feel the fullness of the rest. When I actually hit all these boxes, when I come away, when I detach, when I'm by myself and there's nobody else around, when I find that quiet place where I'm completely, like nobody can get a hold of me, and that's where I find that rest. Because that's where I begin to hear God's voice. Silence. It's uncomfortable. Well, friends, if you've read the Bible very long, you know it's the, it's, it's the environment in which God speaks the loudest. Solitude. I know, I get it. We're made for community. But intentional, deliberate solitude fills you. Don't confuse solitude with, with alone. Because there's so many people who, who struggle, maybe you, with loneliness right now. Loneliness will leave you empty. Solitude will fill you up. It's learning to bring Christ into your being alone. Learning to hear his voice. Learning to quiet all the other voices. To turn the phone off, to detach for a while, and say, God, I just wanna hear you. Sometimes our quiet times are structured to where we never get there. There's, there's good things and all these other disciplines we've talked about in the Bible Bible and prayer and all this but sometimes our our, our very own daily quiet time is structured in a way that it, it's it's checklist oriented and I'm not saying it's not genuine it's genuine you're hearing God and you're learning and you're praying and you're asking God for things and God's working but we never we never get quiet to listen to be refreshed so here's what I want to challenge you if you noticed was when we looked at at Jesus' lifestyle, not all of his silence and solitude moments were the same, were they? There was the big seasonal ones, like the start of his ministry where he got six weeks and got away. There's sometimes, I believe, on an annual basis, you should just figure out a way. You should do this. Find a campground, find find a a retreat center, find something, if you need help, I've got some resources. Um, And take a day, take two days, take 3 days and just say I'm going to get away to hear the voice of God for this year. Schedule it on a more more regular basis. I'm going to take I'm going to take an afternoon once a month or every other month I'm going to take an afternoon. I'm going to take a full solid morning from breakfast to lunch and I'm just going to I'm just going to find like find it in in different in different segments. And then even on a on a maybe it's a weekly basis. Hey, you know, every Thursday on my lunch hour, I'm just I'm just going to have this time to like to just be still before God. Maybe on a daily basis, maybe it's learning just to take five minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes in your quiet time to incorporate like shutting your Bible, maybe leaving a notepad and a pen out so you can write down anything God speaks to you and just say, God, I'm just shutting out everything. Like, I just wanna hear from you. I'm, I'm gonna get away, I'm gonna go into the back door, uh, in the backyard where, where nobody can like bother me for just a little bit of time. But it doesn't have to always look the same. Again, this is one of those things that community and silence and solitude, they happen in rhythms. The question is, are you finding those rhythms in your life? If not, you're gonna be burned out from your community. Silence and solitude will breathe life into your community. But bottom line, like it has been the last several weeks we've been going this, is it worth doing? Is it valuable enough to, for you to implement it? So let me challenge you, even if you're not ready to change your whole life today, pick a time. Maybe it's 15 minutes. Maybe it's half. hour. Maybe you can this week take an hour. Find an hour in your schedule. If you're married, talk to your spouse. Line it up. I say I'm just I'm just going to take some alone some some silence and solitude time and experience the still small voice of God. Father, we praise you and we thank you that you speak to us. That again, you've you've created these ways for us to experience you. Lord, we've looked at so many of them so far in, in your word and, and prayer and, and rest and Sabbath and work and activity, but we've got to hear in the pulling back. Lead us into truth. Lead us. Speak to our hearts. And whether we hear a word or we just sense your nearness, God, we want to we experience that rest for our souls. Thanks for your voice, God. And for modeling, like showing us how to walk this out. God, your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.